You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. I'm Veronica Daschle. I'm Elaine Swetman. And I'm Charles Kelso. And we're too busy monkeying around to put anybody down. Welcome back to Monkeying Around. This week, we have two special guests with us. We are rejoined by Alan Seiler of Modern Musicology. Welcome, Alan. Hello, everybody. How are you? And we are rejoined by Carrie Gordon of Metal Geeks. How's it going, Carrie? Good. Thanks for having me back. Uh, always a good time to talk to monkeys. Absolutely. So, Carrie, I hear you had um, an interesting little meet and greet with a certain Mickey Dolans recently. I did. So Mickey was here at the Days of the Dead Festival. It's a horror convention here in Houston. Uh, there's, they're all over the country, but they had one in Houston. And I think the reason he was here because he had that small part in the Rob Zombie Halloween movie. So I'll take it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I, it was a it was a great day. That's all I can say. He was super nice. I didn't know what I was going to get autographed. Um, wound up getting his autograph on my arm, and then within what two three hours, it was tattooed. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So if anybody <laughs> out there ever wonders if it's a if what you have bought on eBay is an actual <laughs> Mickey tattoo or autograph, I can uh, definitely assist Compare with it. that. If yep. it's an yeah. arm, then if it's an arm, <laughs> right. hopefully it didn't cost you an arm and a leg. Did you get Did you get a, a certificate of authenticity? <laughs> I got that. I'm going to get that tattooed next. <laughs> yeah, he got it. Coa. After hang on to that, you're more valuable now when you pass. But you know, I had so many autographs from him, um, and Jody, of course, was great. So mm-hmm. what I wound up getting autographed was my arm, of course, the mm-hmm. picture that we took at the the pro photo op, and an eight by ten from the Tick cartoon that was signed by Townsend Coleman. Awesome! So I was like, nice. all right, that's cool. Nice. That's I met fun. Mickey years ago at Dragon Con. He came through Dragon Con. I don't know what was it, two thousand four or some craziness like that, and. Uh, my friends run the green room. So I was up in the green room and there was Mickey Dolan <laughs> over in the corner. And he was yeah. like being all like, keep to himself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Mickey Dolan's. And I was like, do I go up and talk to him? Do I leave him alone? So I kind of like said, you know, Hey Mickey, it's nice to meet you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and he was nice, but I didn't want to like, you know, pester him. And plus it's Mickey Dolan's. And I'm like, what am I going to say to Mickey Dolan's? So <laughs> after I left the room, I was like, I couldn't talk to him about drums. The there you go. Drummer. I couldn't have talked. Oh my God. I was it, like, that's the stupidest thing. We, there was the same experience at the, at the, the convention was at a hotel, uh, which is the weirdest thing is the same hotel. I had my bar mitzvah in, in 1987. Wow. Never thought I would meet Mickey there, but uh, <laughs> he was, my friends were waiting for us in the bar, having a couple of drinks. And, uh, they're texting me like, "Hey, Mickey is in the bar, just hanging out, drinking." I was like, "Okay." They're like, "You go talk to him." I'm like, "No, I had my time. He's in his own time now. I'm not going to go bug him." You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. The, I felt the, I felt good about that. The way that story played out in my head as you was telling it uh, was, "You going to go talk to him?" No, he didn't bother to come to my bar mitzvah. So no. <laughs> he didn't actually. I, I was surprised. You just yeah. make eye contact across the room and start singing, <laughs> I'm a believer, and see if he'll join you. Oh, I'm sure he would love that. <laughs> All right. Well, what are we here to talk about tonight? Well, so we are talking about the um, head album. So not the movie, but the album itself. Yeah. The soundtrack to the movie. Yeah. I've read some um, interesting reviews from other people on it. They clearly don't know anything about the monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um so I am I am very glad to be speaking with people who do know about the monkeys <laughs> and actually know how their history is, so we can set all those people right. That's there right, you go. That's, That's right. our job, man. <laughs> Whether you like the movie or don't like the movie, the songs are fantastic in this mm-hmm. movie. Yes, I, I've got a buddy that I've, I've worked with off and on, you know, through my my day job for eighteen years, and he's a big like he was a drummer. He's a big you know kind of music snob kind of a guy. So anytime the the monkeys come up, the first thing he says is, "Oh, Porpoise song is great." Porpoise song. That's the only song that he thinks is great, but he thinks it's great. Cool. But it's hard to argue when someone says Porpoise song is great. And I say, yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, me being the metal guy, I have to uh, be remiss if I didn't say this. There's one of my favorite bands of all time is this doom metal band from Chicago. In 1995, they put out an album called Plastic Greenhead where they covered Corpus Song. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you haven't heard it, it's amazing. What's okay. the band? Uh, the band is called Trouble. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Oh, I have to hear that. Absolutely. Yes. And they actually uh, had another band, the lead singer who unfortunately passed from COVID, mm. had another band called Lid, and they did Randy Scout's Git. Mm. Oh, cool. Sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love when people from other genres cover songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was my two yeah. favorite things just coming together, like <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate, you know? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine, have you heard Proper Song? Oh, yes. I've heard it many times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think it's great? <laughs> I do. I, I would have to worry about somebody who didn't like it. I mean, mm. even if you're not a Monkees fan, it's still a great song, regardless yeah. of who's doing it. It's a mm-hmm. gorgeous song. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and it works great as like a, a film theme. You know, mm-hmm. essentially it's yeah. the, the opening theme to the film yeah. is mm-hmm. Corpus Song, but it's a very cinematic sounding song, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. it's got a little psychedelia mixed in with it. It sort of has that sort of late 60s vibe to it. Yeah, but it but it's bigger than your average like monkey song. You know, it, it has that sort of grandiose feel to it that I think you need to open a film. Well, and it's got orchestra with it too, mm-hmm. which just yeah. you know makes the scope of it a lot bigger. Right. I can't not hear the song and not be not sync directly of that opening scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. I was probably way too young when I saw Head for the first time. Never <laughs> understood it, but you know the music of course stood out for me and. Anytime I hear the song, it just right back to that fake Mickey falling slowly <laughs> into the ocean. Yeah. But what's interesting is that when you hear this song, you don't immediately think of Goffin and King. Right. Because no. it is stylistically very different than any of the things that you would ever associate them with. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. they have written for the monkeys previously, this doesn't sound like any of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Fascinating. Fun fact, last week is the first time I ever saw the movie. Mm-hmm. So the the song has been in my head in isolation from the imagery for, you know, decades. So <laughs> now I have a whole new thing to to <laughs> associate it with when I hear the song. Absolutely. Now I think of mermaids and stuff. <laughs> All right. So what other songs? I mean, we want to go in order. We want to Does someone have one that they're itching to talk about. Well, not to you know, necessarily lead us down the in order path, but <laughs> I'm going to say favorite song on this album is circle sky. Okay. And you know that, and again, having only just seen the movie a week ago, um, you know, these songs all sort of like existed as their own thing for a, a lot of time, like for many years for me. So Circle Sky is one that I first encountered, I guess, on one of the greatest hits albums, you know, years and years ago. It is one of my favorite Nesmith songs. You know, when you're talking about going into this kind of movie, you know, when you kind of look back on the series, it's all built around the little musical moments in each episode. A lot of times a performance clip where it's them in their apartment or them on a stage or whatever, and they're like miming to the song. And that's what you get here. It's a Nesmith song, which I love. And I, I mean, this song has had quite an interesting life. Because you have the live version from the that tour in 1968 that has been released before with the four of them playing it. You have this version, which is with studio musicians, which I know was a contentious point for the band when they saw the movie. And they're like, wait a minute, they use that other version of it or something. Mm. And it got redone for justice. Mm-hmm. And then 
Mickey redid it for his album a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's such an interesting song. I think it's like one of the best things that that Mike ever wrote. Mm. I just love it. It's got such an incredible energy to it. Yeah, it does. I totally agree. It's one. Of, it's definitely one of uh, Nesbitt's best songs. And I I personally like this version better than the Justice version, which I saw. I just did an episode of a podcast where we talked about Justice. And I'm sorry to everybody who was involved. But <laughs> it was my choice. Um, but I wanted it to be, it was like that 90s grunge era. I wanted it to be heavier. But I feel this version has has a heavier vibes comparatively. Mm-hmm. No, I yeah, agree. It, I love this version of it. Yeah, it's it's. A, I like the song. It's a fun song to sing along with that sort of thing. The lyrics don't do a lot for me, but I got to no. say that the version that Christian Nesmith produced for for Dolan sings Nesmith, I love that version. I think it's, Circle yeah. Sky works so well with that. You know the mm-hmm. the Indian you know sitar mm-hmm. kind of a feel to it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. One of the differences between this version and the Monkeys live version that I feel is lost in this one is when it comes to that bridge, the it's a very extraordinary scene, that section, Mickey Mm -hmm. does a really cool thing, at least on the the one recording that I've heard where he sort of like changes the, the beat. Cause it's all like a bum, bum, tick-a-dun, tick-a-dun, tick-a-dun. and then it comes to that section and he goes, it's a dun, tick-a-dun, dun, tick-a-dun, dun, tick-a-dun, tick-a-dun. and it really breaks the song up a little bit. And it really like gives it a, a whole different feel in that section. And it sets that section apart from the rest of the song. And I love that. And th- the drummer on this version does not do that. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. that it's, mm. It, you know, and I always listen for that. I always want that part when I hear this version. And and I just feel like it's not as strong as the way Mickey did it. Yeah. I'm going to say Mickey did it on purpose and it wasn't oh, yeah. from a lack of being a good drummer. Oh, no, no, no. It was no it's, a, it's definitely on purpose because of the way yeah. it falls in the song. It is definitely thought out. One of the things that I had been reading, there was this one particular article that was just like, they were like, Head is the greatest 60s movie ever. And I'm like, what? And they were super hating on the monkeys and talking about how they weren't were hack musicians, all of them. And some of them were only there because they were child stars and um stuff like that. And I wouldn't have made it that far to that article. I I, yeah, I, kept, right. I I I was like, I this is such a train wreck. He doesn't know what he's talking about at all, but I have to read it and see what he's gonna say so I can tell him he's wrong. Um, but one of the things he was saying was how like Michael Nesmith wasn't talented, and I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, well, or that I mean, Mickey couldn't play anything, and then you were mentioning the obvious um, choice in yeah. his drumming when he did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Saying I, that kind of thing is what gets Michael Nesmith punched in a wall. So you know, you better, <laughs> you better step back, That's buddy. Right. <laughs> one of the things I really like about this album is the Peter Torque wrote several of the songs on it and they actually let him sing one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was saying, you know, on our last episode when I didn't know at that point, if I was going to get invited in to talk about the <laughs> album and I, I wanted to get that in there. We didn't I know think, either. It was wait and see. <laughs> fair enough. But the, the thing that I love about this is that out of only six songs, three of them are written by the band. Um, Michael has his song and Peter gets two songs yes. on the album, mm-hmm. one of which he sings lead on. And yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, as we talked about last week, there are so many monkeys albums where that does not happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Peter is the, the kind of like ostracized one in the yeah. studio. And I mean, that guy is a serious musician, mm-hmm. great songwriter. He's got two spectacular songs on this album. And, you know, and a good singer. And why they never let him do anything on the Monkees album blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, he got his moments, you know, like the harpsichord solo in whatever the song, you know, and stuff like that are standout moments and really good. And he should have been able to contribute more than he did. Yeah. And since it's become kind of a tradition for our album discussions, I'll say that the Beatles always made room for Ringo to have a lead Mm -hmm. vocal. He wasn't the strongest vocalist in the Beatles, but they always found something that works for him. Um, And I I think the Monkees could have done the same for Peter, and I wish they would have. Mm -hmm. Because there's too little of Peter getting lead vocals. And I'm not saying that he should have he shouldn't be neck and neck with Mickey as far as lead vocals, right. but, get, but give him something. Let him contribute vocally as well. I mean, the man is a good singer. It's not his fault. He was, he's in a band with Mickey Dolan's, Davy Jones, Michael Nesmith. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and it's like, 
each episode is an is a great mix of the personalities of the four guys mm-hmm. and you lose that personality on the albums because mm-hmm. it's so underrepresented. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great for him to be able to, to play piano or to play mm-hmm. banjo or whatever. But if you're a kid at home listening to the records, you don't know who's playing that, you know, you right. can read it in the liner notes, but it's, if you've it's, had liner notes, it's different to hear his voice. Yeah. You know, to mm-hmm. go back to what you say, you want to hear all the monkeys on the monkeys albums. Right. Yeah. Now, talking about the two Peter Tork songs on the album, which uh, the ones that he wrote, which ones do you like? Which one is your favorite? Hmm. I would say I like long title. Do I have to do this all over again? I like that one better than Can You Dig It? I love both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't too. know that I have yeah. a preference. Mm. I really love Can You Dig It? At mm. least right at this moment, because I was listening to the album to and from <laughs> work today. And... It's if you listen to like the extended version that they have on Amazon, it's on there twice because there's a different version mm-hmm. of Can You Dig It, which is good but a little weird. Um, so I've heard it several times today and I'm like, Yeah, I can dig it. I'm you can dig it. it, I know. <laughs> I can dig it. So I'm like, <laughs> I can dig the version, uh, the alternate version with Peter singing this, yes. this track. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's my it preferred. Was- Because I was used to the other one, and then I was trying to sing along, and he sings it just a little bit different. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, 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 I need to stop there. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he he definitely has a unique delivery to his vocals. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned that they you know, they opened Just Us with Circle Sky. It would have been funny to open it with, do I have to do this all over again? (laughs) It would have. Right. Right, absolutely. See, that's just weird. Out of all the songs they could have picked out of their past catalog to redo for justice why was it circle sky that was the only nesmus pen tune on the album too mm-hmm. i know yeah, yeah like he he's got one song on the album and you better you better choose wisely buddy and that's the one <laughs> he picked i, I wonder like, if he was i mean because you know the only version that we got like studio recording of mm-hmm. was the session musicians and maybe he that's what he wanted maybe he wanted to have that song sort of like rescued from that And be presented by the four guys themselves. You know, maybe he felt that strongly about that song. Yeah. And, you know, rightly so, too, because, you know, as I said, I just freaking love it. (laughs) So good. (laughs) So briefly going back to Peter Tork, I I like Can You Dig It the most of the two that he has on here, primarily because I can dance to it better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's an interesting point. We're going to come back to that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) they're both of the songs they're definitely that 60s free love vibe could Mm -hmm. it's something they would use on one of those like bewitched when they're trying to show like a mod party or something like that (laughs) which they did in the movie but then they they totally fit in the in that genre oh that's awesome yeah 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 I'm also picturing them using it like on Laugh-In. You know how in Laugh-In they would mm-hmm. have the scenes where they're all dancing and then they yes. stop and tell a joke and then they all start dancing again. Mm-hmm. They, that would be you mm-hmm. know, the song they used there. That would be cool. Now, one thing that we kind of didn't talk about and we should uh, maybe go back to is the the war chant. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is so super interesting. This mm-hmm. is like the anti monkeys theme song absolutely because it's talking about it's like almost like you know the whole fabricated thing they sort of like just for meta with a thing exactly they just (laughs) skewer that whole thing and it's fascinating but it also it's also a little bit of a commentary on the film itself because the Mm -hmm. film is very you know non-linear in its Mm -hmm. storytelling and it basically says that in one of the the verses and i don't remember who it is that says it but it's basically that you know we we might not make sense we might make sense you know and it's it's definitely setting the movie up for you Mm -hmm. yeah well and like you say it's very much the opposite of the monkey's theme you know, they're yeah. they're del- deliberately satirizing that, but also yeah. sort of lampooning themselves in the process. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the money's in. We're made of 10. We're here to give you more. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I I love it. I love that little sequence that, that, that at the at the start of the film. I think that's is really effective. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it do end in the movie with a guy getting shot over and over in the the TV screens? Yeah, yeah, and it's with, yeah. and then that that's footage that had been like big yeah. on the news at that time. Yeah, and it, some people like that that's in the film, and some people don't. I think that that's an interesting commentary, though. That I mean, news as entertainment. You know, people watch yeah. the news to see graphic things like that. Yes, yes, that has, that has not changed. Yeah, nope, that's pretty. Well, yeah, and and that whole movie, not to go back to the movie, more, you know, more than we did last time, but. That whole movie is commentary on pop culture, on mm-hmm. on the entertainment industry, on, on the movie, what the movie system, yeah, y- exactly. Yeah. And you know the the insertion of commercials and all that stuff, and the entertainmentizing of news. Here it is, just being mm-hmm. laid out on a platter for you. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a fascinating commentary on what was happening at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's catchy. Yeah. Is it wrong that I find yeah. it catchy? It is catchy, absolutely. <laughs> it is, and it's such a fun energy to it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. On the extended version, they have like a long version of that, but it's like them recording it, and you can hear them talking about, "Oh, well, we need to do it this way. Start one, two, three, mm-hmm. and then and then they finally get it, but then." I have it really loud when I'm in the car by myself so I can hear everything. At the very end, they finally get it. And then Mike, somebody telling Mike that he needed to do something. He goes, well, I'm the dumbass man. And then, and then that was the end. And I was like, oh, that was funny. <laughs> I wish I could hear that more often. <laughs> We're going to take an intermission. We'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. Don't change that channel. What he means to say is we'll be right back after the commercial. Pardon the interruption. We'll bring you back to your podcast in just a moment. But first, a promo for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. In the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, your pizza delivery guys, Dan, Sean, and Paul, serve you a slice of life. As we discuss literally anything in the universe. Conspiracy theories. Movies that we've liked. Women in comedy, voice actors, film directors and producers, authors. But what we don't talk about is pizzas. Wednesday, I'm here with you people. It's wild. Check out the Modern Musicology podcast, where each week we talk about things like... What makes a great drummer? Our favorite rock documentaries. Songs we love by artists we don't love. Our favorite concert memories. Songs that should have been singles. And all of our favorite music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now. Do not use Modern Musicology if you're allergic to it. Modern Musicology may produce itching, dizziness, vertigo, temporary blindness, or heart palpitations. Do not taunt Modern Musicology. Ask your doctor about switching to Modern Musicology. Have you been searching for that one heavy metal podcast that covers all of your favorite geeky topics as well? Well, look no further. The Metal Geeks Podcast is here to save the day. Whether you are into video games, films, comic books, theme parks, or even, yes, heavy metal, then the Metal Geeks Podcast is a place for you. Check us out on all of your favorite podcasting apps, and we are proud members of the ESO Network. Keep it geeky and keep it metal. So I guess let's move along to another song um, as we go along. Let's move along to as we go along. Yeah. I love yeah. as we go along. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's yeah. it's sweet. And I, I want to bring us back to that um, re- review I was talking about earlier, because this is one uh-huh. of the, the things um, that I just found like, what? So um, he's talking about Mickey and his performance on this. An absolutely stunning vocal, not for its technical proficiency, but for how well it fits the song. This is the the weird part. Some vocalists are great because they have amazing voices, and some don't have the chops but know how to give a song what it really needs. And Mr. Dolans gives one of the best examples of the latter that I know of on this song. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think if you think Mickey Dolenz doesn't have the chops to be a vocalist, then maybe you <laughs> reviewing music isn't for you. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah like Dolenz has an amazing voice, mm-hmm. and it was so different from a lot of what else you heard because it was so high pitched. But he could get up there and go down there. It, like he had such an amazing range. I can tell by. you're looking to find a place to settle your mind and reveal 
know how you could tell say he wasn't an amazing vocalist. Well, good thing that person's not on this podcast. I, don't know. <laughs> I know, right? I'd be like, you're wrong you're about right. everything. Everything you said. I mean, you I'm glad you, you like the invite, music. You should invite him on as a guest. And then <laughs> steamroll him. <laughs> we'll just invite every, all of our friends. <laughs> uh, now, I know that as we go along, it is in 5-4. And Alan, you're a music yeah. major. Well... I mean, what does that do for the song? Putting it in five four. Well, it's it's interesting because it's in it's in basically five eight. Okay. Because it's it the, it has this feel of it being like it's in six eight. Like you're expecting it to be in six eight. Right. And but it's not. It's in five. So it keeps you off kilter the whole time. But it it's so fascinating the way that it goes back and forth. The whole intro the little musical interlude with the flute part. And then that part repeats throughout the, the outro is all in five, eight. Mm. The verse, it blows my mind because it starts out in five, eight and halfway through and like literally halfway through a line switches to six, eight, Mm. but then they stick an extra measure of three in there somewhere. So it's, (laughs) it's like basically a phrase of nine, it's just a wacko arrangement. And it's so great because there are times when the vocals don't seem like the vocal is in five, eight when the music is. So mm-hmm. it, it always kind of like leads you crossing the, the measure bar and you, you lose track of where the downbeat is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's super, super interesting. It's a really clever song. And I want to point out that it is written by Carol King. So mm-hmm. we, this is our second Carol King song on the album, right. but co-written by Tony Stern, yeah, who is a buddy of hers who um, they co-wrote a, a few things together. They had a couple of tracks on, you know, the landmark album of the seventies tapestry. Mm -hmm. And the one of the ones that they co-wrote is probably Carol King's biggest solo single. It's too late. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these are, these ladies have the, I mean, we know that Carol King has, you know, the songwriting chops. Um, So the two songs that they wrote for tapestry Tony wrote the lyrics and Carol wrote the music. So I'm mm-hmm. going to guess that that's the situation in this one too. Yeah. So this whole thing where it just keeps shifting time signatures is all Carol. It's all Carol. Yeah. That's what that's I was am- thinking as well. Like amazing. how intentional is that and how much was it? Hey, this is just where I hear the music going. Cause I know like, I mean, you can always have to bring the Beatles into it, but like they, they yeah. didn't have any musical training. I'm, I, I'm assuming at some point, maybe Paul eventually learned how to read music. I'm not sure how much. I'm currently listening to Autobiography, and he's in his mid-40s, and he doesn't know anything about reading music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but like, the just they could just feel it, and yes. they knew what to do. When it elicits, yes. elicits a feeling in you. When you yeah. listen to that music, mm-hmm. though, the way, you know, Alan, you're, you know more about the way time things work and stuff than I do, but I know the way that makes you feel is mm-hmm. like, like, it, like you're floating along, yep. you know, it's like, yeah. and it works so well with the lyric and the title because it's like, as we go along and you just, you, mm-hmm. just, you just float along with that song. And it's exactly. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting about it to me is that it has a, a real dreamy quality to it. Mm-hmm. And when you describe it as sort of floating, that's exactly the feeling that it gives you. But when you have that off kilter beat it it's it's like it's it constantly shifts it Mm. constantly is keeping you off center and it's a fascinating approach to that kind of song but you know when we're talking about a movie like head it is a hundred percent appropriate for Mm. that kind of movie where it's presenting you one thing but you know you're actually getting something totally different Mm. You know, but yeah. if, you, if you don't pay attention to it, you're not going to really pick up on it because you just float along with it. Mm-hmm. But then when you yeah. think, wait a minute, I keep tapping my foot, but it keeps not lining up. <laughs> right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, in, in the movie, it's kind of used a little bit as sort of like everything in the movie. So fast, it can go from one thing to other. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're just sort of you're floating right. along, just taking a break, kind of like a little intermission before it picks back up and everything going crazy again. So. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. kind of wrong, a, didn't Neil Young play on on the on this version? Absolutely. There you go. That, that's yeah. it right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I was thrilled that they included 
this song on the Monkey's Live Monkey the Mike and Mickey Show the Live album that came out just a few years ago. They actually included this song instead of the Porpoise song, which caused a little bit of fan controversy. Mm. I was thrilled because Porpoise song I've heard so many times and yeah. covers and things like that. I was thrilled to see uh, as we go along included. I would yes. still wish they would release the audio of Porpoise song, yeah. but mm-hmm. that's a come on Rhino. Um, but I mean, <laughs> and it's amazing how well Mickey still sings that song mm-hmm. to this day. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. And I can imagine that singing it live, I mean, you would really have to study that song mm. to come in at the right time, especially in the verse when it starts out in 5-8 and shifts to 6-8. It's just bonkers. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing when to breathe. Right. You know, because right. the, it's coming at weird times. Oh, to me, I mean, Mickey's yes. probably sung that song enough times that he knows when to breathe. Mm-hmm. He's Mickey Dolan's. But I mean, it's... <laughs> You know, it's it's not an easy song because I mean I would expect I'm not a vocalist, but it's longer between breaths than mm-hmm. your your typical monkey song would be, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, interesting. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the when I was kind of listening to the soundtrack, I was like, "That's a nice song." I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it because it's just not my kind of song. But then I I caught that, mm. and I thought, "Wait a minute." There's something going on here that I have been <laughs> just like glossing over and not paying attention to. And then I started to really listen to it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm love a it. time signature nerd. I just love stuff like that, especially when you use different time signatures and mix and match. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm a Rush fan. I just. Yeah, got and and with a purpose. They're not, they're not doing it for kicks. It's not hey, watch this. They're, yes. they're using it very specifically to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to elicit certain feelings in the listener, and I think it works phenomenally, whether you Absolutely. understand intellectually what's happening or not. Right, right. I'm surprised yeah. more uh, TV shows or bands haven't utilized this song in particular. Mm-hmm. It, it would fit so well in like the modern medium. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm. And that that's what my my buddy the music snob every time he's talking about the porpoise song and I or, or, I keep calling it the porpoise song every time I'm about the porpoise song <laughs> and I'll say you should hear as we go along <laughs> because it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh. Well, I want to talk about Daddy's song. <laughs> okay, I love Daddy's song. It's the kind of monkey yeah. song I've been saying on this podcast all along that I really like, where it feels like a very happy song. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. not nope. if you if you pay attention to the lyric and especially if you know the history of Harry Nilsson and what comes after, mm-hmm. because I mean, that song is really about his father abandoning him. Yep. And he calls out in the song that when he has his own son, he's not going to abandon him. But then, I mean, in real life, he does. Yeah. Which yeah. is tragic. Yeah. I mean, some of those cycles are, are hard to break. But I think this as for the song itself, I think it, it's presented like you might expect it's a Davy Jones song. He's singing and dancing in the movie. But I mean, you stop and read the lyrics and it's like, oh, like this is this is pretty serious subject matter. Years ago, I knew a man. He was my mother's biggest fan. We used to walk beside the sea and he told me how life would be when I grew up to be a man. There's something so sweet and sort of sad about this song. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I might be unpopular opinion here, but this, I think, is my favorite Davy Jones song in the mm. whole catalog. Oh wow! Wow! Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I I I, lo- I love the song. I love. I know we're not really talking about the movie here, but no. Go it's ahead. My you weren't favorite... with us on our movie discussion, so please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite yeah. bit of editing in this entire film. Yes. Uh, the black and white, the, mm-hmm. the switching back and forth, mm-hmm. the meticulous editing that that must have taken to get that. Oh my done. gosh! Especially but in those days. Woo. Yes, they everything is is literally cut. Mm-hmm. perfectly mm-hmm. and yeah. i i think it's my favorite not one of my favorite segments but one it's just the best edited of the whole film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and today when they're shooting digitally yeah they can line things up and they can see what they did and they can yeah. back, i mean back then you're sending your you're, you shoot your film you send it off to get developed and you get it back in a few days <laughs> now they could just, you know? if they if they'd done that today they could have just like put a cut point and then inversed everything Today they would just yeah. digitally recolor his suit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He would just yeah. he would just shoot it once. Yeah, and it wouldn't be nearly as cool. No. No. <laughs> Cuz you'd be like, "Ah, that was done with CGI." Well, Cuz yeah. the imperfections yep. are what remind you every time mm-hmm. that they're doing mm-hmm. this for real. You know, if yeah. his suit's just changing colors, well great. They they have a button that changes the guy's color suit, you know. <laughs> but the the fact that yeah. it's, it's it doesn't quite line up. 
in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, he the angle is not quite right. The the movements aren't quite, which is which is good because the little imperfections they show you that like no, this is these folks are trying really hard to get this, and it, it, I mean I think it works beautifully. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's the same thing where um, the the monsters look fake but feel real, but mm-hmm. the CGI looks real and feels fake. Mm-hmm. It's the same type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly right. I'd rather have I'd rather have a guy in a rubber suit. Yes, because <laughs> at least it feels like there's a real a real thing there. Whether, yeah. Yeah. whether yeah. it feels like a real thing or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Elaine, have you mentioned what your favorite song on this album is? Um, no, I don't know that I have. Okay. Um, but it's probably Porpoise Song. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Veronica? I'm. I think I'm gonna have to go with Elaine uh, with uh, Porpoise Song okay. is being my favorite. Okay. Bold yeah. choice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My my favorite is my favorite is the porpoise song. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> not just any old purpose. porpoise song. The <laughs> right, song. not the definitive article. Right. <laughs> well, what's you, Alan? What's your favorite song on this album? Oh, Circle Sky. Okay. Even though I have a huge appreciation for as we go along. Yeah. And 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 I really, really love the two uh torque songs. Mm. Circle Sky, man, I just love it so much. What about you, Carrie? This is a hard one. There, there's yeah. not a lot of tracks we talked about, but they're all good. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go with Porpoise Song. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I'll I'll go with As We Go Along mm-hmm. because I just I love that. I love the composition of it. I love Mickey's performance is just fantastic. I just love mm-hmm. listening to him sing that song. But I mean, there's not a bad song on this record. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, I mean, I feel like this is one of the most of, of the actual songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has the most um, number of these are really great songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the right. mo- biggest number, but the greatest percentage. Some of the consistency. Consistency. It's a very yes. consistent album. Yeah. Yeah. When when it's songs, it's a yes. very consistent album. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I like all the interstitial stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the way that it a represents the movie, but a lot of that stuff is kind of chopped up and repackaged in different ways yeah, and right. and in different orders. And and I think that's really interesting. I, I love the way that it each one segues into the next song. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's really well done as far as you know the order of an album goes. The album is 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 just as weird as the movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think you I think you come away with that same kind of experience that you had from watching the film. Mm. And you know most soundtracks don't include chunks of dialogue and yeah. scenes and things like that. And I love, mm. of course, you know there's only six songs, so it's it would be one side of a record if they only use the song. So they have to fill it out with something, but I think they do it in a really creative way. There's Mm -hmm. a, you know, this is 1968. There's a whole movement in um, art music and classical music of doing sound collages. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of composers, Mm -hmm. uh, Stockhausen, Zanakis, you know, people like that, um, that have been doing this since the the forties and fifties and up into the sixties. So it's not a new thing. It's just not a, you know, and you hear this kind of thing on the Beatles revolution. Mm-hmm. Number nine, it's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. It's, it's music concrete. It's found sounds assembled in a particular way. And that's how this soundtrack is put together. And I think it's, I think it is absolutely of its time at the same time, commentating on its time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Alan- Alan, you said you didn't see the movie until like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But you listened to the soundtrack going up, right? Oh yeah. I've known the, how, I've known the songs. How did those, well, even like the interstitial and all the, the stuff from the film, how did all that live up to in your, in your mind movie to the real movie? Um, I'll be honest with you. I never really listened to the soundtrack much. I sort mm-hmm. of separated the songs from, you know, and just listened to them on a playlist, you know, or, Back in the old days on a CD that I burned, you know, <laughs> and I would definitely put Porpoise and Circle on there. And, you know, one or a few of the others, maybe um, never the Davy song, um, usually not as we go along, because I just didn't, you know, appreciate it at the time. Um, so it was always an isolation of. So it was really when I went back to the movie and saw it for the first time and started to really listen to the soundtrack again to the whole soundtrack start to end is when I really started to appreciate the way that it's assembled, the way that it's mm-hmm. all put together. It's great. 
And yeah. like Carrie, uh, we we just recently did a discussion about the film itself. Mm-hmm. How how did you feel about the way these songs are presented in the film, as far as the film sequences that accompany them? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I remember being a young kid. Um, I, I I the first time ever seeing this movie, there was a hurricane coming, and my grandparents took me to the local town warehouse. They're like, "Hey, you can pick out a couple movies to watch." And I'm like, oh, I like the monkeys. I've never seen this. Let me watch this. I was maybe I watch like monkeys, the movie. This will be yes. fun. <laughs> I was maybe eight or nine at the time. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but I liked the music back then. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the songs all have a a good place in the narrative uh, style of the movie. Um, the circle sky, you know, where all the all they're being ripped apart at the end by the yeah. the rabid fans and the can you dig it there's just you know, everything about the the songs were perfectly chosen and placed in the in the script i i think mm-hmm. yeah i think they did a phenomenal job and it's it's like the the monkeys tv show grows up a little bit you know mm-hmm. i mean yeah. you've got a oh, lot totally. of the elements here that were in the tv show uh you know mickey get i mean davy gets like his fun little sort of uh, Davy song, but it's it's more serious than mm-hmm. in, in subject matter than what a lot of his songs were on the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. You know, Mickey gets several vocals, but they're they just feel not not that he's even projecting bigger, just the songs feel bigger. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he it, he like rises that occasion, but it's not like he suddenly is like belting it out and singing. Maybe a little bit more mature, right? Yeah, some of the yeah. songs. Yeah, they were yeah. more mm-hmm. ballady than rocky. Yeah, well, and they feel mm-hmm. a little more soaring because, like yeah. you said, the orchestra and mm-hmm. the the interesting compositions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and it's fun that Peter gets a song. I'm glad that Peter gets a song. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's it's like the monkeys TV show and music was a little more sophisticated, and a little more grown up than it had been on the show. But I think it's still very consistent with what, you know, if you like monkeys music, you're going to you know like these songs as well. Yeah. Since we haven't really yeah. talked too much about long title, I want to I want to get to that one just really quickly. And, Please. and I think that's another really interesting song. And I think it's one of Peter's best songs. I mm. I yeah. think it's just a great. And, you know, when Veronica earlier was talking about it, it's hard to dance to, it does that same trick that the Carol King song does where it changes time <laughs> signature because in the instrumental break in the middle, it's, it's going along at a very strict quick 4-4. Four, mm-hmm. four, but then in the middle, it just shifts to a 6-8 a thing, but or in like a 6-4, I should say. But it's syncopated in such a way that it sounds like it's not a, a, a an even meter. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's a, an, an odd meter. And I, it's really, really, really neatly done. I think it's really cool. Can I see my way to know what's really be? They say time can fix things by itself. I know life's more than just some kind of deal. Yeah, but won't you tell me when all in my soul? You perfectly described Peter right there, an odd meter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Man, I love that guy. This is not related to the album, but the movie. And I said this in the last thing, but uh, we were watching it with captions on. And um, this song was credited to Mike. (laughs) The vocal. The vocal was credited to Mike. They didn't even put Peter's name on there. Uh, The entire thing, I was like, this isn't Mike. This is Peter. Am I just like mixing their voices up? What's going on? No, that was Peter. Yeah. No, yeah. Peter finally gets to have a song on an album and they yank it away from him. Yeah. <laughs> the, the caption guy just assumed. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, <laughs> speaking of alternate vocals, I want to go back to the Davy song okay. because there is that earlier version of it with Mike singing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the, the same song arrangement. It's the same music, basically. But yes. his approach is very different. Years ago, I knew a boy. He was his daddy's pride and joy. When the daddy went away, it was such a rainy day that he brought out all his toys. I love Mike. He's my favorite. But I don't know that his version works as much. Because I think that when you hear Davy sing, you you have a different expectation of what the song is going to be about. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, right. like it has more of an innocence to it mm-hmm. when Davy sings it. 
Mm-hmm. And then when you hear, when you catch the lyrics, there's definitely a dark undercurrent to that innocence. And I think there's something that really works brilliantly with Davy singing this song. Plus, Davy's the the song and dance guy. He's the he's the Broadway guy. He's the show guy. <laughs> right, and right. it works for him. It, it's the kind of song that you think he should be doing. Yeah. And then what's great about it is that it it's subversive. This mm-hmm. whole album, I think, is about subverting your expectations and mm-hmm. your expectations. I, I had another word for it, and then I can't remember what it was. But it it's the whole thing subverts what you expect you're going to be getting, what you mm-hmm. think the monkeys are supposed to be about. Right. And I think it's genius. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I like the Davy version better. We we mentioned earlier but there, there is such a sadness in his performance of that song yeah mm-hmm. i like like i love nez but the song is not in his wheelhouse mm. yeah mike sings the song davy emotes the song mm-hmm. yeah there yeah, yeah. The, this song's exactly. got davy written all over it i yeah. mean he's 100% just like i wouldn't want davy singing sort of sky you yeah. know like <laughs> everybody, everybody stay in your lane <laughs> give him well, some maracas and- he's fine <laughs> well, and Davy sings um, "Totally Toy," which is another Nielsen song. So he mm-hmm. kind of already yeah. that has that thing going. Mm-hmm. For him. And it, that's that's also a song that that feels like a fun pop song yes. until, until you, you listen to it. Oh God! <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, there's there's more to it. There's a darker edge to it. That but yeah, I think Davy, like Harry Nielsen, but Davy, well, that Nielsen guy, man, he's troubled. <laughs> <laughs> Davy really sells that juxtaposition though, mm-hmm. because yes. he can yeah. sell the sunshine pop version of the song um, to where a lot of people don't even realize it. A lot of yeah. people listen to the song right? their whole lives and just sing along to it and yeah. never yeah. pay yeah. attention to what it's about. Yeah. Wasn't Cuddly Toy about Chucky? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. It, it's going to be used as a theme song in the next season of the show. <laughs> there you go. I really like all of these songs. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know if anybody had a favorite non-song track. Well, I, I love Bela Lugosi. I've I've go to Bella Lugosi <laughs> film festivals. Uh, I just right. recently watched the Ed Wood movie like two weeks ago. Like I'm I'm yeah. a big Bela Lugosi guy. We went and saw <laughs> Bride of the Monster on the big screen like literally this past month. Yeah, I I love Bela Lugosi. Yeah, I'm gonna say gravy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what do we all like? A nice cold glass of gravy with a hair in it. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever asked for that at a restaurant to be fun? I have not. No. I've gotten it, but I've never asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely don't remember a lot of the tracks outside of the songs. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. To be honest, yeah, you, it's a safe yep. space. And, yep. and you will never see the movie again, so you won't need to remember <laughs> nope. them, right? That's nope. exactly right. Is the Mickey ranting in the desert one of them? Mm-mm. No. Okay. I was no. going to say that well, one. But... It's 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 what it's what is on there before, right before he does that. It's like all the desert noises, and then you hear the guy George Michael Dolan. Yes, right. Yeah, that is in there. And then that's when he goes nuts on the Coca Cola machine. Mm-hmm. Right. But you don't hear that. So right. I, yeah. I liked his his voiceover in some of that. Oh, I should have <laughs> brought Mickey a Coca-Cola when I was, when I met him. <laughs> Man, I knew you were thirsty. <laughs> uh, interesting. So I, I like dandruff because you can hear the the director uh, sort of yelling at him at one point. Yeah. And then it, and it cuts with that, that, that TV commercial for dandruff. They're singing the, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. the ditty. Dandruff. Exactly. So it's, <laughs> it's that whole like juxtaposition of, you know, making this film and then like, Oh, now we have a sponsor. Here you go. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Just like Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. This is, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? Well, I have a couple of other podcasts that I would be thrilled if people would check out. One of them is called Dr. Who A to Z. And we are working on reviewing things leading up to the 60th anniversary and covering all the news that is coming out. And oh my God, there is so much news every week right now mm-hmm. leading up to the 60th. So holy cow, it's a lot. And then the other one is Modern Musicology, which is a show that we're about to, we're in our 90s. So we're coming up on our 100th episode. And um, we've got some great shows that have come out and we've got some plans this coming week. We're recording this show. We're recording on October 30th. And in just a few days, a brand new Beatles track is going to be released. So our next episode is going to be all about 
that new Beatles song, the documentary that comes out about the making of the, that Beatles song the day before, and all kinds of things. And we're going to have a special guest with us mm, for that. Awesome. Yay. And how about you, Carrie? So, yeah, you can find us on all the places where you download your podcast, Metal Geeks Podcast, or my other show is MSRCast, which if you don't know, it stands for Mainstream Resistance. It was a heavy metal fanzine I did uh, back in the late 90s. It just sort of like took new form. I've been actually podcasting since, I think, 2005. It's been a while. Um, wow. But yeah, we just, uh, we're working on an episode of that where we talk about our favorite metal albums from 30 years ago, from 1993. Wow. Yeah. That's fun. Modern yes. Musicology, we do, every year we do the that year's anniversaries the the 93s the 83s the 73s and we just talk about the albums that came out those years there you go that's a that's a that's a fun topic it really is yeah <laughs> and how about you elaine hey, you can find me on facebook at monkeying around on twitter at monkeying around we have email monkeying around podcast at gmail.com sorry i had to reboot there for a second but, um you can also find me on Elaine and Matt Watch TV, where I chronicle what me and my husband Matt are watching on TV. And it's very hilarious. I follow you there for sure. <laughs> and how about us, Chuck? Feltnerdy.com. And? Monk. Uh, oh, that's where we are now. First <laughs> <laughs> Station Trek, our podcast about Star Trek. All right. Thanks for monkeying around. Thanks for monkeying around with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. Denver. Denver. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.